0: More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S O J O U R N Tulsa.org. This week we're going to look at generosity. And discipleship that that we value generosity and discipleship, um, and I hope that um, you get out of that. A lot of churches, you know, typically people think of churches as oh, they're going always talk about money, always talk about money. People have been here a long time. We, we don't try to make money the issue. We want to make the heart the issue. If we make the heart the issue, and we understand the generosity of God, not just in money, m- money's just one of a hundred things. Right? Um, there, there's some people in the church who their prayer. Their service, their love, their hospitality, the way they treat people, that, that goes 10 million times further than how much they could give, right? We we've know people like that. We see people like that. Um, and so they may be able to give just a tiny bit of, of finances, but their generosity and all these other things is what just is a beautiful expression of God's grace. And so we're going to look at generosity, and I hope that we see something different about the heart, um, and also on discipleship, disciple making. Um It would probably be hard to say that God or Jesus did not value generosity in disciple making, right? Like it'd be hard to prove that that God is not about a generous heart in all these things, not just finances. But it would be hard to say that uh, Jesus was not about disciple making, that that wasn't the plan, right? So we value those things. And so the first one we're going to look at today is generosity and cost. Let me pray before we dive off into this. Um, you, can, you can kind of turn in your um, Bibles, or we'll have the verses up on the screen, but if you want to turn to Luke 7, that's where we'll be going first. But let me pray as we open up. God, we are thankful for generosity, from simple things that we could overlook, like the generosity of your weather, the rain this morning, that our, that our land needs um, rain, and so you're generous. From the days that we need sunshine, you're generous in that. Um, from the way that uh, you're generous in our relationships around us, generous in, in what you've um, brought us through sometimes that we overlook so easily. You're generous in your love and your grace, and that you are trying to form and conform a people. There's a formation of people that is discipleship. And so that that's a, a way of walking with Jesus. Um, a disciple is just a learner of the way of Jesus. And so we want to be... Um, Valuing those things. We want to value what you value. And so we ask for you to give us grace this morning to hear, um, to, to maybe even set aside, Lord, um, our, our uh, previous views, whether that's on disciple making or whether that's on uh, generosity being only about money, to where we want to hear from your spirit. And so we ask for that gift of the spirit coming to give us those beautiful things of conviction and confession and repentance. That leads to that spiritual renewal that we've talked about, um, that leads to uh, just truly resting and enjoying you, that leads to greater worship. And so we, we thank you for that. And we pray that as people are here this morning, Lord, I pray that those who are coming in um, um, hurt or wounded, that, that you would be gracious and merciful to them and bring them that balm of love and healing. For those who are coming in stressed or anxious or, or worried, that you would allow them to rest in you, to know that you're sovereign that you are with them, that you are good and loving. For those coming in off a, a great week of just excitement and, and fun and, and wins, that you would allow them to have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. And for those coming in just full of sin, um, full of um, things that they know um, are so far from you, some that maybe have never been a t- true child of God, as we just sang, that you would call them to yourself, that you remind them that, that no matter how far they've gone, that, no matter the, the, the depth of their sin, that that your love and your grace and your mercy and forgiveness is greater. And so we pray that the Spirit would do that work as we enter into this time. We pray that you would form us in this identity and see an opportunity um, for us to live out this type of Christianity. In your name we pray. Amen. So looking at um, that generosity, the first one uh, that we'll look at today, the the third one of our values. We grow in generosity and understand cost in following Jesus. So um, one of the things, as you've probably seen, um, I'm sure you spend lots of hours each week on the website, the church website, uh, doing that. That's a lot of good good time that you spend there. And so um, in that, one of the things that you don't see a lot of church websites speaking about is, is cost. Like, it's all about, you know, it's, uh, every, every picture is the first picture. It's the hands raised and the cool screen and the cool stage and the cool light. And, and that's coming. I mean, it's, we're going to have that. And I know it'll be life changing for you, right? So we'll get that. We'll get the lights up. But that, that's the first picture. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love that. That's fine. And so, um, you know, you don't sell, um, Disney World by uh, taking a picture of a sidewalk, do you? You sell a picture of Disney World of kids having a great time in the castle and the beautiful sky. So that, that's fine. But, but you, what you don't see, if we're not careful what happens in those views of, of what is the church or what is our church offering, um, what you don't see is that our church is offering, hey, this is going to be costly. People in our church are going to hurt your feelings and sin against you. You're going to get your feelings hurt. We're going to ask for you to sacrifice and give more. Like, that's not, that doesn't sell, really well, does it? Like, you don't see a lot of websites about that. And so, but what, what was Jesus very clear? About, if you're going to come after me, here's what that's going to look like. I wonder if Jesus would be even welcomed into the leadership of some churches in our day. And so, um, we want to be a place where um, we truly are, are seeing Jesus work in the different churches around us. Not not just our church. It may be Spirit Life Church right down the street that just has revival. And God brings in tons of people. And we stay at 50, 60, 70 people, and they go to 1,200. But we're sitting there watching God work powerfully, Right? So we want to pray for that, not, not for sojourn's sake, um, not for us to be well-known, but but for the the glory of God to be well-known, that his generous grace would pour out on this area, and on our particular area, and then that would reach to the ends of the earth. And so uh, when you talk about generosity and this cost in following Jesus, you have to have some things present. So if, remember the first two I brought out. If we say we value, fill in the blank, so generosity, if we say we value generosity, then X, Y, and Z would probably have to be present also to produce that. So what would have to be present? Probably if you say you value generosity, not just finances, then mercy would have to be present. Um, Compassion would have to be present. Grace, understanding the human condition. Seeing someone and, and understanding that their path and their story looks nothing like my family of origin. Their story is nothing like maybe the safety and security that you grew up in. Or, man, that my story and the things that you went through is nothing like maybe the safety and security that they grew up in. And if we're not careful, we're, we're, we're frustrated and we despise them because they seemingly had it so easy or had it so good. Or um, someone that, that had a different past, and I go, man, I just, I just don't want to be around that. My whole life I've been working to get further away from that type of stuff instead of going, no, I, I'm all right right in the middle of that. And I can earn whatever, I can drive whatever, I can live in whatever house, and I'm not afraid of, my identity says that, I'm a, not afraid of being around people of all different stories and backgrounds. And so, the grace, mercy, compassion, understanding the human condition. Am I a person who's understood grace, who keeps growing in understanding grace? Um, or are you a person who, in the church, the church you went to, we understand grace, here, here it means unearned favor. Grace is just unearned favor. And that's talking about at salvation point. You got salvation, that was grace, unearned favor. I've got it now. Tuck it in my pocket. I know that I know it the, the list on the wall. Or is grace something that you're growing in? So you see people that disagree with you who are very different from you. And like it takes grace to be around them, right? Family members, different views, um, different stances, to have grace to be able to be around them and to to, to still interact with them. Um so am I a person who's Deeply understood mercy, who lives appreciating mercy and grace. Or do things reveal I lack a merciful attitude? Is there chances that things that happen that reveal that I lack a very merciful attitude? So let's look at Luke 7 here. This is this famous story, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house. And took his place at the table, and behold, a woman of the city. And so that, that a woman of the city was very clear that in, in those in the Greek, it kind of comes across. There's only a few places that's mentioned that she was probably a prostitute. Um, she, the way she dressed, the way she looked, um, everyone knew her. Simon, the guy, this this Pharisee. This is not Simon Peter, by the way. Uh, this is Simon, just the Pharisee. Um, he knew her. He knew who she was. He knew her background. He he knew. And and so that's what that's talking about. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he was, when Jesus was reclining at the table of the Pharisees' house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the anointment. Have you ever been in that situation where someone is just groveling? and brokenness, and see, so it's, it's awkward. Like, you talk about running your, your uh, dinner party, right? <laughs> like, oh gosh, honey, honey, I, I think a prostitute just walked in. Oh, oh gosh, she's crying and weeping, she's <laughs> pouring, now she's broken this little vase of, of ointment, and she's rubbing, oh, he's holy, and she's unholy, oh my gosh, honey. Like, why, why didn't you have someone at the door? And yet God says, I want this included in my story, I want this, this story included in my scriptures. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this guy were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. That's where we need to pause and go, I wonder if Jesus in the Spirit is wanting to say something to my heart. Replace Simon with me. My views on people, my views on people's backgrounds, my views on differences between people, some heartstrings. So Simon says, say it, teacher. So Jesus goes into a parable in verse 41. A certain moneylender had two debtors, two people who owed him money. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When both could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which one of them will love him more? So Simon answered, The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, You've judged correctly. Then Jesus turns towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? So you've probably had the feeling. You've probably seen the situation. I want you to try to picture this guy's facial expression this guy's body language and Jesus says turns to this woman Simon i want you to look at this woman you've probably felt it at times just a leaning back a tightness a disgust not comfortable at all with this do you see this woman I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. She's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You ever had your feet kissed? That's just an awkwardly social event, right? Like like if that happened during service um, at our one of our former churches, um, uh, There's some things going on in the leadership, and so one of the elders just kind of like pulled out of nowhere, like they're having a meeting, and they decided to have it at a guy's house instead of the church building, so it's this eldership, a guys show up, and one of the guys just, you know, had a good quiet time, a lot of chill bumps during the quiet time, probably a good worship song, and just like, you know what, we're going to I'm going to wash people's feet tonight. And so no, the rest of the elders didn't know, it, but this guy showed up as Jesus in the room and decided he was going to wash these elders' feet. Now, I'm not saying that's a horrible thing. That might be, you know, that might be fine or but it's definitely, even those guys, like, you know, there's probably a couple of elders going like, I didn't know this was that big of a deal. I mean, like, I thought we were deciding the color of the sign or something like, why are we washing? Why is he washing our feet, you know? And so um, it's an awkward thing to mess with people's feet publicly, right? Uh, a dinner table. And and then G and, and this is a, showing the lowliest of humility to do that, and also she didn't even deserve. She's a woman. Women are despised and looked down on, right? And she's she's a sinner woman, and Jesus is going, "Hey Simon, hey Sankey, you could learn something from this woman. That's humbling. I want you to learn something from this woman." You didn't um, know, since she got here, she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who says that they can forgive sins? And he said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." So, a crazy, radical picture of God's mercy on someone who didn't deserve it at all. Number one, she's a woman. We know about women, don't we? Women just, just not in the right place here, out of line. She didn't have her theology in line. She didn't have her position and role of life in line as a woman. She didn't have her parenting or practical living incorrect. She did not fit. She didn't know how to keep their rules. She was disgusting and unclean and untouchable and unholy and gross and damned. And this guy was fine with that. Any chance that that's us? We see people are different. It it could be a person that you walk past around here. You go, man. Just ah. you wish they'd just clear them out. It could be um, people that you you work with, and they have different views on different things. And just, ah, just, ah, just so frustrating. And, and we see here people that are different from us, that are seem undeserving, we we forget that we're undeserving. We forget that we were also damned, if not for the grace of God. And so. God has a a lesson to learn from this woman of generosity of his grace and mercy pouring out here. This picture of radical generosity. Um, Jesus is generous with grace, mercy, compassion to the disgusting and undeserving. Imagine this guy, as Jesus goes into this list, I entered your house, you gave me no water. Hey, also Simon, you gave me no kiss. Hey, also, you did not uh, anoint my head with oil. You know what the Pharisees do. I I didn't know. That's not fair. I didn't know the list. If I would have known that was the list I was supposed to be keeping, I would have kept the list. That frustrated, tight, angry Pharisee. You didn't tell me the list. I didn't know that was the list. Jesus was teaching something deeper. She loved Jesus. She was captivated at Jesus. She knew she needed something from Jesus' forgiveness. This guy wanted rules and right living to show off his self-righteousness. Some people get a different understanding of the, the, the bountiful generosity of God. Jesus just said it. She loves greater because she was forgiven greater. Beautiful pictures there. So what what was the big lesson Jesus is teaching here? Am I a person who keeps growing in compassion, who appreciates and values compassion, seeing that it's an ongoing willingness of loss, of cost, of my time, of my money, of my convenience, of my selfish desires? So if those things are present, mercy and compassion and grace and all those things, I'm probably a person who extends generosity very easily. Sacrifice in gospel intentionality, when we speak of generosity, we're not just speaking about money. Um, it's speaking about a heart that moves towards generosity towards other people. When we see a need, we, we move towards that. Could be time, could be your, your gifting, your abilities. Could be seeing other people's needs, people that just, just are gifting service, in hospitality, seeing others' perspectives, moving towards people. We know Jesus in, in Luke 9.23, I've got a slide up there of Luke 9.23. He said, if anyone's going to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And if we're not careful in our good American or evangelical, or it doesn't have to be American, but, but in America, we, we use Luke 9.23, deny yourself to about, hey, hey, man, you're struggling with porn. You're struggling with lust. Hey, deny yourself. And we're not talk, thinking through, no, not, not just those matters. So you've got strong desires for um, riches, or women, or alcohol, or drugs, or laziness. Not just those denying yourself, denying yourself to, to be able to serve others, like it talks about in Philippians 2, that, that you're thinking of others more than you're thinking about yourself. He who denies himself and takes up his cross daily and follows me. For whoever would save his life, cling on to it, will lose it. But, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So from the bloody dead animal in Genesis 3, cost. To Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac standing over here shaking, watching a bloody sacrifice, but he's safe. Cost. To uh, all the the thousands upon thousands underneath a bloody doorframe on the Passover night. Cost. All pictures leading to the cross. Cost. Where do you not... Get the idea that this is going to be sacrificial and costly. All of those pictures. And the and reason we see opportunity is are we a people that are willing to suffer cost and to suffer inconvenience, to, to cost um, for others? Um, I had lunch with Ezra uh, this week, and a uh, great fun guy to get to know, family of 10 kids. Um, that's what I would... Consider crazy, but they've done it well, and his parents are great, and Ezra's great. But he he and I were talking about Brock Purdy. So if you've noticed anything about the Super Bowl, there's a great interview with Purdy. And and the beauty of it is, like, he's just unassuming. Like, it's all the glory, all the start. They want him to just, you know, Twitter up and fly up and take all the exaltation. He's like, hey, man, this glory is fake. It's not the real deal. What I'm here to do is to serve my team and to love my teammates in a different way. And just, he exudes humility instead of getting caught up in it. And you know what, what breaks my heart is Patrick Mahomes started out that way. Like, you know, they would hit him late years ago. They'd hit Matt Patrick Mahomes. I, I was t- showing my boy, look, hey, he gets up. He's not crying to the ref like Brady. He barely touched me. He barely touched me, dude. I need to foul. I'm, I'm, I'm Tom Brady. Mahomes, we saw that a little bit this year, didn't we? Getting a little huffy. Not Purdy. Purdy's going, hey, tomorrow I may not be here. Um, may not be, be here. I shouldn't even be here. This is a rare situation. It's, it's just God's grace on my life. So you see this ultimate humility that's flowing out there. We have an advantage to take um, in, in this current process. of the, You've got this version of Christianity... That, that's trying to side with from political stuff to economic stuff to all these ethic issues. But it, it, it's very aggressive, and it's very angry, and it's very attacking. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll proof text a couple of places and try to say, that that's what we've got to do. And, and just knowing that Jesus was not trying to do those things. Paul was not trying to—the early church weren't trying to do those things. And so we've kind of bought into this idea. And so people thinking through, man, cost. And then also, man, thank you, why— Would we have cost as a value when when other places, clearly, um, winning or worship? That's something we value, and we do. We value worship. If we place a value on living out generosity and cost, there's an entirely different dimension of worship we enter into and bring others into. How do we get to the place in following the Jesus of the cross to where radical generosity and cost and sacrifice are almost foreign and weird for us to think of and talk of? How do we get to the place where, where those are foreign and weird? How do we get to the place um, in following the Jesus of the cross that before I can move towards people and in an act of compassion, I see an event that happens that I have to stop and I have this rubric that I have to pull up and go, uh, before I can step towards and help something that I see in immediate need or stand up for something that's uh, uh, unjust, I have this rubric, I have to think through the dimension. Is this possibly woke? If I do this, would that be like me falling into wokeism? Is this all the CRT? Is is that stuff going on? Uh, Is there something going on here that that they're just being a victim? Uh, I need to to probe this rubric before I would act in generosity and mercy and grace. Because I'm theologically right. And thankful Jesus and his disciples didn't have enough blogs and um, things like that. Some of us float in class five, class five uh, white water rapids of just generous generosity from God that's poured out on us. We, we float in class five rapids of generosity, and yet we can't give class one generosity to others. And so, those are those are difficult things. And, so, and again, when I do these things. I'm reading big swaths about the American church. I'm reading about in, in other cities and other places, and big swaths about. And, and, and when I bring up those things, I'm also not only that, but I'm a four on the enneagram, and so that I I, I go to depths of feeling and thinking through and dreaming about beauty and justice and love and mercy. Th- those things just kind of naturally flow. And so if you're uh, not wired that way, then, it, then it, it's like, man, this, this seems like it's always so so difficult. And I, I'm, I'm more of a person that just wants to kind of, here, give me the steps. Just give me the steps. Just know that, that God can use those together. And so to, to paint this picture, almost like a garden walking through that, hey, here, here's this garden that we should be like. Notice this shrub. Well, I don't like shrubs. I like stone statues. Well, it's going to have shrubs. It's, it's beautiful. And we're going to have some stone statues also, but there's some other things in the garden that are beautiful also. And so remember we talked about the trellis and the vine, this living organism that's growing and living. And so this is talking about compassion and, and generosity and those type of things. It's talking about those things that the, the vine is, is pouring through us. We have to have those other structures there also, but the, the living fruit of that should be this is what people experience from us. This is the environments that we're creating. Um, do you see the difference in the cultural Christianity that that's been going on for the last four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, there's just been a change. And we have an opportunity to be, be different in that. Do you see the difference if I were to use generosity to just get you to give more money versus what Jesus calls us to? It's much harder than just giving money. We all know that. We all know that. Romans 12, I have a slide up there of this. Romans 12, 9 through 13, this is some marks of the true church. Um, let love be genuine. Man, man, make that a memory verse. Let love be genuine. Not just the, your idea of well, what is love. I, I think I love these people. Let love be genuine. Look at some other verses, uh, the other versions of that. Behor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing Honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So the world says value and honor, that's earned. And Jesus repeatedly says it's not earned. You, you place value on this person, whatever status, whatever the level, because the image of God is in them. Have they jacked it up? Yep. Has sin jacked it up? Yep. Have you jacked it up? Yep. So we place value on them because the image of God is in them. Because God places value on them. So again, I know the path that I'm calling you to. This is not popular. Um, I'm not asking you to do this out of your own strength, like a new spiritual discipline for you just to get better. I'm reminding us in a very unique, historically self-gratifying culture that Jesus called us to costly sacrifice through generosity and it's not just upon how good we can get at it. The spirit is available to help us on that. For some of us, that's man time wise. I just don't want to give up any more time. For some, that's it's relational. I I, I like my just I, I've got you know I've got my own family and that that's enough. I just like you know and I have to deal with people every once in a while. But I I need to open up to where I'm in some relationships. For some is is it's serving and some of the abilities that you have. Like we're a small church. There's abilities that could help out in different ways, right? Um, um, different things that people are serving. It, it thrilled my heart to walk up the stairs. I was going to talk to Matt upstairs, and just to hear he prayed and he prayed a long time for a little kids class. And someone would tell you, "Hey, don't you shouldn't pray that long. Pray real quick at the end." But but to hear what they were t- teaching just for two minutes, and to hear what they were encouraging the kids to get into the Bible, to pray, to do the and so just you know, they just stepped up and said, "Hey, we see a need there. We we want to we want to serve in that capacity." To help little kids. And here are kids hearing prayers and being encouraged to get into the Word. Like little bitty things like that. Those abilities, those those, uh, those ways of serving. It's, it's generosity. It's costly. It's sacrifice. And I think that we, as kind of a unique people, I think that that's why you're at an ugly looking place. Um, looking at a very glamorous lead pastor. But, but still, um, it's an ugly place. It's, it's an ugly rough position. It's an a, a ugly building. But you're buying into that. You're going, I want more of that. And so I think that we can do that. So that's generosity. On discipleship, multiplication. It says we multiply disciples, gospel communities and churches. So if we say that we value discipleship, then XYZ would probably have to be present, wouldn't they? So love for people, image of God. You have a view of when you see someone that you think the image of God in man. The reason they're so broken that that should instead of like oh that disgusts me or they're different or I want to keep away from them is when I see them I go oh the image of God, man um, that is a picture of brokenness and it reminds me of the need for God's God's re- restoration. That reminds me of a need for God's redemption. Not oh I separate from those type people. Um, you see the image of God there. There's value and honor placed on people even when they're doing things that you completely think is of horrible, Um, (coughs) things that you think are completely um, disgusting, and you can still place value and honor on the person, there's this humility there. There's this reminder that that you've been given much grace. There's this relational belonging. It's an outward-orientedness. Matthew 28, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. We've spent tons of time on Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And so he said um, in in verse 17 there, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And so just think about this. That's not just like, oh, I necessarily, I don't think he was the son of God because he's arose from the grave, right? And so it's not, I doubt that he was the son of God or I doubt this. Probably some of it was, I don't know. I don't know what this will cost me. I don't know what this, I've heard Jesus teach some pretty specific things about cost, sacrifice. I've seen the way he treated people. I don't know that I can do that. (laughs) <laughs> he goes on to say, and we're going to make disciples of all nations. People that you just saw killed me. Enemies. People you despise or you're fearful of. People you've been taught your whole life in church that are bad, bad people. Stay away. He says, you're going to be baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them, spending time with them, sacrificing time with them, Discipling them to observe all that I've commanded you. And all of us would probably say, well, I just, I'm not good at that. And we would come for our reasons, well, I can't do that. And to be honest, I, I kind of don't like those people. I kind of despise some of those people. That's crazy. And Jesus didn't end there. Jesus said, I know, I know how you feel. I know. See my hands, see my feet. I know what you feel like. Behold, I'm with you always. I can give you my heart when you don't feel like doing that. I can give you my mercy and compassion when you don't feel like doing that. Philippians 2, the type of relations and care that we should have. If there's any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participate in the Spirit. So if, if, if God has done any work in you, if you've seen the change that God's brought in the transformation into Christ, if you've been comforted in all different levels of the love that God has had for you, any participant in the Spirit that is He's doing that work in your life, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That is crazy costly. So think through discipleship. Does that Philippians 2? Maybe that's a, a memorization area for you. You go, man, how can I look at that and see, am I doing that? Am I sacrificing in that way? And so so what does discipleship look like for you? Do you think through when you think of discipleship as a a meeting uh, that you're going to weekly? Maybe one or two people, another person through a book study. Maybe it's a men's group or a women's group meeting together for accountability. Maybe it's teaching a kid's class. Maybe it's discipling some teens. Uh, the, all those things are needed. Those things are good. Maybe it's three or four guys and girls working through a book on either how to study the Bible or historical theology or systematic theology, biblical theology. Maybe it's specific study over a sin area, a growth area that's needed. Those are all good things, and, and we should be doing those things. But what if for others, this is what is needed. In Micah 6.8, he has told you, man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Memory verse? To do justice. I would, but I read some really good pastor and they told me, don't ever start helping those people because they could be just playing the victim card. I would, though. You know I have the good heart. But... I've been taught those are pathetic people. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. Another one in Matthew 9, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I desire mercy for you not sacrifice. And Jesus isn't saying, I need your mercy. I desire for you to show mercy to me instead of sacrifice. He's saying, you flipped it. You think that doing these acts and doing these deeds and and trying to keep all these little ethical lists and things from, from the Old Testament law, that that was going to do it. That's what he's confronting them with. And I'm telling you that there are people right in front of you that need mercy, and I've come to be a merciful God, and you're rejecting that. You don't like that part of it, but you'd love for me to give you more sacrificial lists that you could go through. I want your heart to treasure the mercy that I gave you, to act out of that, not just your own ethical lists. And man, we can get in some fights and places on just the ethics of our day. And Jesus is going, man, I'm not seeing a lot of mercy. I'm not seeing a lot of concern for justice. I'm not seeing a lot of concern for um, this type of heart and humility. So again, we, we see this is very, very tough and costly. These are not Hey, here's three ways that our church is going to grow this year. One, two, three. We're going to hit those apartments. We're going to hit that school. And we're going to go out and pass out 10,000 flyers, right? One, two, three. You ready to go do that on a rainy Saturday? Let's go. Two hours, 10 to 12. And those those are not bad things. I hope we can do some of those things. This is tough. This is costly. This is sacrificial. So love. We love God and others. Looking at those four values community and belonging. We belong in communities of grace and relationships of care. Generosity and cost. We grow in generosity and we understand cost in following Jesus. Discipleship multiplication. We multiply disciples in gospel communities and churches. Are there one to two people that you're getting with consistently trying to disciple? Beyond your kids, maybe. Try to do it without loving them and it will fail. Try to perform it without vulnerability and trust and authenticity, it will fail. Try to perform it without true, heartfelt community and belonging, and it will fail. It will be simply an information transaction, an information dump, not a body, a family connected and caring. So it's costly, it's sacrificial. But if it catches and it happens, watch out because it's a completely different place. And again, I've said it other places before, if those things start happening happening, and people start getting connected in that way, you don't start bragging about it or trying to show off that. You, you just sh- sh- just let God, let the Spirit. Don't get in the way of what God's trying to do. You don't want to try to take, take glory for it. You don't want to take the credit for it. You just get out of the way and let God work powerfully. It's not... Every person picking 10 people to go and share the gospel with and get them saved this week. It, it, maybe it's just one or two people this year that you go, I, I'm going to make room and make space for and time for them. Doing a little bit extra to, to serve in different ways. Of Maybe it's my neighbors. Maybe it's my, my friends, the, the relationships at work. These all work together to create an environment where people experience a faithful gospel presence. And after some time, they begin to adjust their belief system because their story and their belief system is already existing and we didn't push them off because of their story and their former belief system. We, we go, hey, I've got, I've got room for you at the table because my father had room for me at his table and he welcomed me back. And in years' time, they get Transformed. And so one of the difficulties, I've been doing some meeting with some uh, a couple of guys, different guys, or three or four guys actually. And so one of the things that we were talking about our church and different things and different churches around and some different churches that even have shut down some really good leadership things and still you just look at different things. And so I think that one of the things that happens from um, people hearing about sojourn or they can read about sojourn or they can see stuff online or they can hear some things and they go, man, it's, it's one of those places it seems like they're not going to budge on this. They're just not going to budge on God's word. Man, there's a lot of places compromising that. So there's a lot of places that are compromising that. We've got all these ethical issues, all these um, this polarity going on, this polarization going on in our country, and this we're going to be a place that's just going to stand on this. So they like that. And then they get in and it's like, I thought we were going to be the hardliners. I thought we were going to be the hardliners. I thought we were going to be the ones that were telling them how it is and telling those sinners how pitiful they are. I thought we were going to be the hardliners. We're going to stick up for these things. That just wasn't how Jesus was doing it. It wasn't how Paul built the church. It wasn't how the New Testament church and the disciples were doing it. I think Jesus revealed and taught and labored so lovingly, so gracefully, and yet confrontingly, that there is a way in which we treat others in a way in which we hold to truth that makes it not only still truthful and not compromising truth, but it is a loving, welcoming place. It's a way of understanding the heart of God, who God is, who Christ is, what holy God did in coming after someone like me and shows up in a way in which we hold to biblical standards I know I hear, I, I get mocked for the vision I paint of graciousness. I know I, I get mocked and scorned and, and laughed at for the slippery, being the slippery slope guy, talking about grace and mercy and trying to be loving to those people. I, I get mocked by it and uh, looked at that way, for comp- seen as compromising God's standard, as I'm trying to paint a, a vivid picture of Christianity, not defined merely by law, but got by God's intent of the beauty of what the law leads to. Mercy and compassion and grace and love and peace. And in our day, in our time, that's not firm enough. Your message of grace sounds nice, but what this world needs today, we need holding people to tighter standards. My standards. The the white fences that I've decided, this is the standard. So that's the confusing thing about sojourn. That's the confusing thing about me probably is, so I'm not going to budge on the things, the the fundamentals. We're not going to budge on those things. But there's a way that we can be a loving fragrance, a loving offering, a sacrifice, where we're, we're loving people in grace and mercy and compassion and not being just just the, the fist-pumping, pounding people that, that, that is characterizing the evangelical world today. So, in closing walkaways, concerning our generosity and cost, what would the Spirit be saying to you? generosity, your time, your treatment of people, your compassion, your mercy? Are you generous with time and presence and, and compassion and mercy and grace? Or are you suspicious until people get their life together? I've seen Jamie's brought up a couple places where we've had people that are supposedly spiritual leaders that, that actually kind of get caught in, in actually saying grace looks like this and it's these white fences it has to look like this and, and, and someone kind of calls them on it like oh holy, that's not grace at all dude that, that, that's, that's the law and in, in your standards and, and then people call oh no no, no why well, yeah I know it's under our favor but it has to look like this no, you're still not defining grace are you generous or are you suspicious until people get their life together Concerning discipleship, or who are you investing in? Is that more of a list of information to learn? A list of subcultural standards, here, here's what it has to look like? Or a loving, life-giving place, enjoying the diversity of God's creativity? They're different. And again, so when I say different, or diversity, I don't mean they can go and live how they want to live, or we're gonna have a, a church that has um, people that are not believers in membership? Not at all. Or that people have lifestyles that 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 are completely anti- antithetical to biblical, not at all. But we want to approach those things in manners, and and I think that we've got a track record. A lot of people here have a track record of doing that over long periods of time. So that's a beautiful thing. But we have this this upcoming opportunity to, to to be different in that, and not different for our sake, but to truly be a place that's known for that type of compassion. And I know these things are all extremely difficult. And most people want just more, tell me what to do, give me the next step, give me the next list, and these are, go sit and ask the Spirit to mess with your heart. There's something beautiful that can come out of that. And so that's difficult. Is that what you're investing, in? this life-giving place of diversity, of God's creativity? So let me pray for us, and then uh, Brad will lead us in a song, and then um, um, we'll do the Lord's Supper. Father, we do come to you, and you confront us, In our best ethical and moral lists, just like with prodigal God um, in Luke 15, that um, whether we're the younger brother, whether we're the older brother, we need you, Father. We need the Spirit correcting us and teaching us, showing us little areas of our lives that we have sectioned off as don't touch. We need little sections of our lives, Lord. And that may not be exactly everyone in sojourn. That may be a lot of the places around, a lot of the Christianity permeating the evangelical culture here. And so God, we need the warnings to be able to see that that's not what you're leading us to. So we want to be a people of generosity because of your generosity towards us. And we want to be a people of discipling people towards the true Jesus, not a list of Christian subcultures. Would you help us to be that? Would you encourage hearts that this is heavy on? Would you bring joy to hearts that are truly living this out in a beautiful um, environment? You give us ideas of people around our lives that need this, that are, that are walking on their own in loneliness, fear, skepticism, and depression, and anxiety, and busyness. Help us to have the compassion for them. We pray that you would do this work in our body, do this work in our own personal hearts for your glory and for the good of others. In your name we pray, amen.
1: to My value fixed My ransom paid At the cross Sing that again Two wonders here that I confess My worth and my unworthiness My value fixed My ransom